our friend, our friend Chris held me accountable the other day. Mm, hey, tell him I said hey, boo. I sure, I sure. <laughs> you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Rose and Thorns. Hey, love bugs, and welcome to another episode of the Rose and Thorns podcast. I am P. Ryan, and I am here. So excited! I am here with a friend, a brother. Not an alpha brother, but, you know, a brother. (laughs) And a man who is just all in and who has made a life around being all in. Everyone welcome, Steve Jackson. Yay! It's an honor. It's an honor to have you. How are you? I'm, like, you know, I'm I'm blessed to to be able to connect with a friend and a brother and um, and to, to receive... Uh, the wisdom that you have to share with me, uh, and to hopefully share some back. You know? Well, child, I don't know if I have any wisdom to share. I'm just here to ask questions and get in your business. Okay, <laughs> tell the people about yourself. So, my name is Steve Jackson. Uh, I was born and raised in Mount Airy. Um, went to school in Maryland after high school. Uh, after after college in, in Maryland, I actually moved out to the West Coast to do some agriculture um, work learning, uh, building, and moved back to Philly when I was about 24, uh, started working for a nonprofit um, that will remain nameless. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) In about eight years of of working with those folks, I have um, had the, it is, it is a, man, talk about roses and thorns. it has been a beautiful struggle of starting um, for-profit companies and doing my best to balance the profit with the soul, which may seem mm. like water and oil, uh, but isn't that uh, it's yin and yang, you know? It's a challenge. Mm. We'll get there. We will get there. And I'm excited to. Well, Steve, as you mentioned, you have worked in different capacities. You um, were in the Philadelphia area. You moved to Maryland. We actually met um, at work at this nonprofit that you left after eight years. But it's so funny how life works. And I really think... um, just like one's path in life is kind of ordained, even though you like kind of don't know how you like end up in different places. We met in Philly at work, but we were both at the same undergrad at different times, right? At Maryland, you're a Terp. I am, I am right? a Terp. And that's one way that we've connected. But I think like since that, since connecting at work, like we have really fostered, I think a beautiful relationship to the point where I do call you a brother friend, right? You are somebody who I just like love being around. And I think one point that really spoke out to me, we were, you know, doing our Saturday kiki that we do once in a blue moon, right? (laughs) And during those moments, we have conversations about different things, right? So about work, about relationships, about friendships. And there was a moment that I realized you were really a friend, a friend, Mm -hmm. friend. And that moment was when you were kind of helping me unpack another friendship that I was having kind of trouble in. Um, I think you even met that friend and you were just like, you pulled me to the side and we're kind of just like, "Mm -mm, that ain't your friend. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, 
right? No matter how I twist that relationship, I form that mm. relationship. Um, your words rang true, right? And so you are no stranger to the interview world. We're going to talk a little bit about your business, but um, there was a time that you interviewed state rep Donna Bullock, and she said, mm. you may have little, but if you learn how to share what you have, you can bless someone else's life. And not to say that you have little, but you are just a giving person. You share every bit of yourself. I have experienced that. And I just want to thank you before we, we move in. I receive it. And mm. um, it's, it's, a, it's two-way shit, vice versa. Mm. Absolutely, 100%. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Steve. Love you. Love you too. <laughs> now, in addition to just being a sharing individual and a person who's just so pure, you also set an example of what it means to kind of just like go out and do your own thing and just make life happen. So you mentioned that after eight years of working at a nonprofit, shout out to that place, <laughs> you left and branched out, started your own business and look at where it is today. I would just love for you to talk about the All In Project. What is it? How it began? Where is it now? Give us the tea. I will. Can I, can, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to interrupt you. Can I turn off my oven? I had started it prematurely. No. Let me just turn it off. I'll come, I'll come right back. What are you back. cooking? I, some fish. Let me just stop oh, it. Do your thing. Get your fish. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was fast. Was the oven next to you? It was right. I had just had, I just wanted to turn it off. It's, my kitchen's right there. My kitchen's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, it's it's fitting that 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 would happen. I, you know, you know, I would imagine that the majority of of spiritually or religiously inclined folks don't really believe in coincidence. But I think uh, taking a break to answer a question like that to turn off the oven makes a lot of sense because um, mm. going out. On your own, as you know, requires a level of focus and discernment. Discernment. Mm. To, to know when to turn off the oven. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. to, know, to know that while you're moving to Atlanta to pursue your, your dreams, that, you know, the... There's wisdom there that might be unexpected at this point. You know what I'm saying? And, and so the all-in journey and the Jackson Core journey, to, to sum it up, is essentially, so I, I left that, that nonprofit and started Jackson Core. Jackson Core um, was the, the original idea was to, to base it around software that was really geared around peer mentorship. Mm-hmm. And that has mm-hmm. since launched. We were in two sites and, um, you know, we're floating. And uh, the, that idea, that, that app idea came from my work doing a lot of mentorship work uh, as an advocate, as a youth development uh, specialist, as someone who had started a basketball mentorship program in Kensington after, you know, the passing of my dad and his memory. And since then, you know, building a community of brothers with me arm in arm to, uh, to stand for community, love, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, challenge, conversation, uh, jobs, you know what I mean? Helping folks get, get money, mm-hmm. um, support and, and all those, all those things about just being in within a community. It's just a humbling process. So, um, the software launched, it was a struggle, um, 
financially and and really like in terms of uh, I had always worked in the nonprofit industry. So mm-hmm. understanding sales was very, like I had, had jobs here and there in like a supermarket or like, you know, uh, like in retail in some form or fashion, but I didn't really understand like the art of sales. Mm. Um, it's an art. And, um, you know, doing the software, there was a lot of, a lot of, you know, what, what someone would call rejection, but ultimately it's, um, it's content, you know, it's, it's, it's a stream of information um, that if you don't take personally, you can learn a lot from. Mm. And through that, I, I was working on that software and my homie, Rick, Rick, who, who you know, I, I am popular for, for trumpeting his, his film school credentials. Mm. Um, you know, he went to film school at Temple. Uh, shout out to you. And um, he was like, yo, bro, you got a story here, man. You should, uh, you should, you should tell this story. And started super low budget actually on this cell phone mm-hmm. um, that's years old and started shooting interviews called All In, where I was interviewing folks who were going all in on their passion and dreams. And truth be told, man, it was um it was a it was a it was a godsend because I learned just how much I love producing videos. I had never mm. I had done production sparingly. I'm talking like once a year for like an advocacy program, I'd like put a video together. Just, you know what I mean? Just like homemade type DIY type stuff. And then I got Premiere Pro and I really started digging into like the, like the art of video production. And yeah. I like, yeah, it'll something change your for life. Me, it will. And I'm sure you can relate that. Like, it's one of those things where for me, a passion that like I'll start doing, I was doing it last night. I was doing it yesterday. Cause this week we're dropping videos every single day and I forget what time it is. I forget I didn't eat. Mm-hmm. I forget that I didn't shower. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'll just be like in the zone. And um, so thanks to my homie Rick and these interviews that we were doing, I realized my, my passion for, for video production. And then he was like, bro, these videos are cool. These, these videos are cute. Like I, like I like what we're doing. Yeah. Let's make, let's make a short film, bro. Let's, 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 let's do a short film. And I was like, bet. What do you want to do it on? <laughs> and he, was, he wanted to do it on money. And financial literacy, financial comedy. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we have since then, um, you know, built a business model that is successful, um, that is relatively field tested. It's only getting better, um, and 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 we've again we've learned so much in the midst of all that. We've also begun doing consulting um, around transformational relationships uh, with another really good friend of mine named Shahid. Shout mm-hmm. out to Shahid. Um, and ultimately, it's 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 being able to curate experiences that that inform your life. You know, I while you were talking, I was really trying my hardest to kind of secure my wig because you said something that really just punched me in the chest. This idea of rejection being content, yeah. and if you don't take it personally, you can learn a lot. Could you just speak a little bit more to that? Because I feel a blessing on the way. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll take, I'll take uh, uh, quarantine, for instance. Um, <laughs> and pre, pre this show, you were asking me how, how I was faring. Because you, we care about each other. You wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that I was all right. Yeah. So I could, um, there's obviously many choices I could make to, on how I want to perceive quarantine. Um, the way I have approached it, is as content as um 
points of reflection and really appreciating the gifts that have come along the way. And I'm going to give you a specific example. Because of quarantine, my family, my father's side of the family, has been doing family Zooms, which is pretty unique. Not every family does this on a weekly basis. Every single week for the last 12 weeks, the last three months, since quarantine started, every Sunday, same time, 1 p.m., mm-hmm. we've done Zoom calls. And I've been on about 95% of those calls. And early on, as you can imagine, it was all love. It was kind of like, hey, how you faring? What are you cooking? You know, stories, Netflix shows you're watching, books you're reading, vacations you hope to take. You know what I mean? Relatively, relatively, because there's still a lot of content there, relatively surface level subject matter, you know, because it's an intense time. So, and then Memorial Day happened and George Floyd was killed and Breonna Taylor was killed Mm -hmm. and all Ahmaud Arbery, just all of the, 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 the murders that set this nation ablaze. And we're on this Zoom call on the Sunday after that, and there's a lot of interracial relationships within my dad's side of the family. So there's a lot of conversation to be had about race in America. And it set in motion for me uh, a healing, oh my God, such, such a profound healing experience. I had mentioned the friends of mine who have held me accountable to like getting active in this time mm-hmm. and pulling out my, my out of the closet, like my activist work, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, like get busy, like what, you know, I was really grappling with like, yo, what, like, what am I, like, what am I going to do? Like, like mm. I, I, I remember being the angry, raging activist who was like righteous, but just like, like emotionally and spiritually exhausted. Just like, I, mm. and I gotta be honest, that's not a healthy space for me. That's not a healthy space for me. So I was like, you know what? I can do this more. I can do this more smartly. I can do this in a, a smarter way. Yeah. And what I did was I got active and I started organizing with some, with some folks that I, that I love and care about, but I also got creative and I recognized, I was like, you know what? I'm on these zoom calls with my 90 year old great uncle. It'd be cool if I had a conversation with him about race. Hmm. Then I was like, you know what? Then I'm way too like traditional these days. Let me get my 22 year old, younger, younger female cousin. She's fiery and she's got, she's got some politics. She wants to get off her chest. Let me have, let me ask the two of them to have a conversation to help me write a script for a upcoming project that me and Rick are raising money for Mm. to really delve into the mental health aspects that are going to come down the road for the community that's grappling with all this stuff right now. And I was literally just on a call with them about an hour ago. And the content that has come as a result of quarantine has been transformational rather than stifling. I think I have, I don't know what the word is. I don't know if the word exists in my vocabulary right now, but to be able to witness my great uncle who before now might've had a handful of conversations with Mm -hmm. like about, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or, you know what I mean? Like just getting once in a, I mean, I'm talking like once in like five years. I didn't even, I barely knew this man. I didn't know my younger cousin either. Maybe had the same number of conversations with her, you know? But to have conversations where we learn and humanize our history and our present in a way where I actually feel a connection, oh my mm-hmm. God, that's, that's mm-hmm. what life's about for me. Yeah, yeah. 
I love and, that. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Mm. No, I was just going to say that quarantine gave me the space to feel that content in a way that I never would have been able to feel had it not been for that. So Yes, quarantine was like the absolute rejection, right? Like it really cut off our travel plans. Definitely cut off mine, right? It cut off our some of our professional plans. It, it cut off some of our health plans. But in the midst of that, it, it, you remind me of something I tweeted um, yesterday, which was like, even with everything going on, I feel so blessed right now. And similar to you, the content that I've kind of pulled from this rejection is just a little bit more reflection, a little more connectedness with others, um, figuring out how I can, you know, engage in my part of the vineyard when it comes to activism. Yeah. And when it comes to speaking out against injustice, I absolutely love that. Yeah. And I also, can I add one last part just cause I, you, you, you appropriately reminded me of the rejection theme. Please, and yeah. I perceive rejection as silence to a certain extent. There's a lot of ways mm-hmm. in which silence is not rejection, but in this particular instance, in terms of quarantine, there is a deep level, a daily reminder of the silence. I live by myself, my own apartment, Mm-hmm. there's a daily reminder of the silence that comes with this quarantine. And there are different kinds of silences. I'm not going to tell a long story, but I would just reference that I was on a call with a board of all white folks very recently and myself. That silence was very different than the silence. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the, to me, it comes back to the discernment of rejection and the acceptance that comes along with rejection, that's, which is so deep. Mm. If I can, on the, on the flips, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I, I, have, I have experienced a perceived rejection. When I can, when I can engage or, or understand that rejection to a level where I can accept it and then transition, transition it into something else, I mean, that's alchemy. You know what I'm saying? Like that, mm. that, that's some magical stuff right there. So, so when you can accept that rejection, you free yourself up to come on now. greater possibilities and maybe kind of less limits. Liberation. You know, goodbye, Steve. That's Let's it. Let's go. Let's that's go. It. That's it. <sighs> Just pulling. Oh my goodness. Pulling from the conversation you had with your, um, uncle and your cousin, right? Um, Connectedness and connection really is a part of your brand. And from the time that I've known you, it really has been a part of your lifestyle, right? And when we talk about Jackson Core, when we talk about All In, you, that this idea of connection and connectedness is even amplified, right? So I mentioned before you did an interview with State Rep Bullock. Um, you've done interviews with council member Derek Green, um, Olivier Noel, who is super fine, by the way, but that's not <laughs> why we're here. He, he was on Shark Tank. And you you really have these great conversations with individuals who seemingly have their lives all together. Yeah. They've reached a level of success. Um, They're doing pretty well for themselves. But then at the same time, they give you pieces of their experience that show you that they're figuring things out just as much as we are, right? And they give pieces of their experience that I think really model for youth who have not reached that point or who are aspiring to get to that point of how, like, you don't need to allow your current circumstances to hinder your progression, or there's a way that you can kind of get around these current obstacles. 
And for me, I'm pulled back again into this idea of connection. And I'm pulled back again into this idea of being connected. How did you get to this point where you have kind of made connectedness a part of your your brand, your being, the way you kind of navigate life? So excellent question. Now it's it's an outstanding question. Um, And I'm I'm gonna try and I'm going to try and make this a cyclical journey. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the transformational role of vulnerability in relationships. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to back up about, um, I'm going to back up about 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that we are, I'm going to use, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow a line and a phrase from my friend Shahid. We are only always arriving. So I helped to start a program called the Advocacy Institute, which Mm -hmm. was a youth leadership and development program within the nonprofit that you and I worked with. And when I was pitching the idea to the executive director, I had a recorder in the room because my dad was pretty much on his deathbed and I wanted to send him the pitch recording so he could hear me standing for something I believed in. I thought that was a, mm. a powerful thing. And long story short, the advocacy to the pitch went well enough that we got some funding, some seed funding, uh, you know, helped to, to run it and build it for about four or five years. It still runs to this day. It's still doing its thing, which yeah. is dope. That's, that's super powerful. I, have the perception that, that I leaned a bit too far into the advocacy as a transactional uh, 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 pedagogy, philosophy. I don't know what the right word is, but mm-hmm. essentially I was teaching young folks. I wasn't teaching. I was learning with these young folks the, the political nature of transactional politics. And while I made a lot of powerful relationships in that community with a lot of young folks and a lot of older folks as well, I really didn't, hmm, I, I didn't fully embrace, for whatever reason, I didn't fully embrace the power of relationship. Hmm. A very good example mm-hmm. as evidence of that. I was talking to a former professor. I went, to, I went to Jackson to get my master's and I was talking to one of my professors once and she said the exact same thing. She said, relationships are the most powerful thing in life. Mm. Something to that effect. And I disagreed with her and I told her and I said, I don't think that's true. And I'm sure at that point I was, had some rationale, but whatever. Point being is that during that time in my life, I, 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 there, there was a belief in my mind and there are obviously layers to beliefs, but there was a belief in my mind that like, this is transactional. It's, it, it's reminiscent of what's going on right now and why I had, well, at least my perception of what's going on right now politically and how I don't see a lot of relationships being built. It's, it seems a lot more, it seems, it seems from the outside looking in, from mm-hmm. the outside looking in, it seems very transactional. Mm-hmm. Burn down a police station and they take down a, a monument. And th- that's, that, that is, again, from the outside looking in, wow. it seems like, we do, some, we, and I'm talking we, like, I'm, look, I'm, if this is what works, then do that Heard shit. you, yeah. We 
burn some shit, we get some shit. We demonstrate the voice of the unheard. And this is how you, this is, this is what you listen to. Okay, bet. That seems to me very transactional. Mm. It seems very transactional. And there's um, lacking relationship which would foster deeper understanding. And, and what I'm hearing you kind of say that I'm just going to infer is like more um, permanent change. 100%, mm. 100%. And mm. that, again, that is my perception. I'm, I, I listen to understand, so I could very possibly be wrong and I'm down to down the line, learn that I am incorrect in that assumption or that perception. Yeah. Now here's, here's, we love a change here's, in views based on information. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. So... Here's where, here's where the cycle comes back. For me, this is where it comes back. Mm-hmm. About, <laughs> I met this outstanding friend, Shahid. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a trumpet this man's, this brother is a genius mm-hmm. when it comes to transformation. And he really convinced me of the, it is, it is an overwhelming inevitability that you come out of a person and you go back into a person. And I mean that to say that the earth is alive. And just because we perceive it to be something that's static doesn't mean that when we are buried in it, doesn't mean that we are not returning to our mother. In some form or fashion, I realize that, that is a mm. more, there, there are many ways to perceive that. My point, in the, my point is this. Mm-hmm. I learned of the magic of relationships. And I, I say magic because there are many dimensions to it. And there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do within them that are, foreign in some ways. Mm -hmm. That being said, I began to do a lot of relationship building and reconnecting. And there's stories about that. And I don't know how deep you want to go there. I'll go Mm -hmm. as deep as you want, but like my family, my old, my old job, my old high school, friends of mine from college. I haven't talked to like anybody and everybody that has been there in my life that I was, that I had just, you know, fallen out of touch with. I was like, man, just because I, just because I left doesn't mean I wasn't there at one point. It doesn't mean mm. that I'm not still there in yeah. some way. That being said, the reason why I brought that story in the very beginning on the 10 years ago and, and recording from my dad is that even though the origins of what I perceive to be a very impersonal political endeavor was grounded in one of the most personal relationships and I mean grounded, like he was rooted. I literally mm. had a recording in the room so I could yeah. share it with my dad. It was rooted in my best friend. You know what I'm saying? Like it is an inevitability, a beautiful, I mean, you know, it's the. Yeah. So what could be kind of perceived as kind of cut dry, a business transaction, you just pitching a program that, you know, would hopefully get some coin, you would get some coin in the process. Its foundation is this relationship of you or its foundation is your relationship with your dad and you wanting at the time to show him what you're working on, to show him what you can do, to show him, you know, how you can advocate for yourself, advocate for this program, which is a a very vulnerable act. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me, I'm, I'm just sitting with that because it's making me think of how often we don't take the time to realize that a lot of the things we do that seem really transactional, that seem really, you know, we're just curating a business, we're, we're curating a podcast, we're, um, you know, 
going after that promotion. I don't think we take the time to figure out or to even acknowledge that under the core of that is this vulnerable space and we're doing this for a person or or this action is kind of connected to to like a broader sense of relationship and community, right? And just going back to the whole creating a podcast part, like the fact that I'm here interviewing people from different points of my life, right? It's not just a creation of show. It's not just a, you know, creating a season and talking about life and relationships, but it's kind of going back to these really vulnerable and beautiful relationships. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That blessed me. It makes me, you know what it makes me wonder about? The roots of a rose. Oh, okay. Hey, come on, Erica Badu, give me more. You have been <laughs> speaking this like Philly hotel stuff and I'm just like, okay, let me get into it. <laughs> because for, first of all, I, 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 love, I love the name of, of your podcast. I love the imagery. Thanks. It makes me think of like, what you just said makes me think of the parts of the rose that are, are every part of the rose is necessary for you to see its beauty. We do have to recognize that, that some parts of the rose don't necessarily get as much acknowledgement. Um, mm. Well, I love that the girls tie this back to a rose, but it's actually rose, like oh, the thing that we shit. drink. <laughs> Man. Oh, my goodness. You know, my- I just, because I love you, I'm just not going to leave you hanging out there. But it's okay. You know, there are parts of rosé that we also enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the parts, actually. Awesome. Awesome. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I love it. I love it. And I- <laughs> you are not the only guest who has said rose and thorns. Maybe I should change the name. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> now, one aspect of your work that I want to highlight, you mentioned you guys did a video on money, mm-hmm. right? And you invited myself and a couple people to watch that video and to kind of give feedback. It was kind of like a focus group type of thing. It was really dope. And one thing that struck me in that video was that a lot of the youth that were interviewed in that um, documentary talked about the importance of money. And talked about how money is kind of like a motivator. And some kind of communicated a message that money is kind of the reason why they're living. Like they're living so that they can get a coin, make it out of Philadelphia, make it out of their current situation, you know, really improve themselves. And as one who was raised in the Philadelphia area um, and who kind of grew up with people who had the same mindset, I could totally understand that. At the same time, I also currently interact with people and have been able to witness individuals who have forsaken money, have been like, okay, I'm working this job. It may be giving me all the coin in the world, but I need to get out of here because my soul is not being fed, right? And even hearing you, you mentioned that in working a nonprofit, you're always trying to find the balance. I think it was between profit and soul is what you said. And so looking at these two narratives, like certain themes come up for me, like privilege and the ability, like once you get to a certain level of privilege, you can say, okay, let me focus on soul, right? It it brings up themes for me of like access and how when you don't grow up with a lot of access to resources, like you really buy into this message that money 
is what makes the world. How is your program, you know, going kind of beyond the documentary, how is your program working to address the needs of youth and kind of like shape their messaging around money? And like, what conversations are you guys having around that? And how do you balance these these two these two ideas of like okay I get that money is your motivator because of like survival and access and then at the same time you know there's this idea of privilege where you know you may want to preach that money is not everything how do you balance that how do you create conversation around that uh, I think it goes back to vulnerability and appropriate transparency mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I. Uh, I'll give an example of one of the young guys. He's 24, so he's not, he's not that young. But, um, you know, he's young enough, to, young enough to be like a little brother to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um, uh, he and I have regular conversations. And I'll be very transparent on on your show and to say that, like, people have said that, which is so dope. I, I love it. It's great content. People have said that I sound money hungry and maybe um, – I don't know. I guess just money hungry. After the money, Mm. trying to get to the money. Mm. And I think that, um, I mean, you can, you can kind of tell that it probably doesn't apply by my, just like, I just kind of like am open to talking about it with anybody at any time. So I'm slightly not fitting, but, but it's, but it's good content. Yeah. And I bring it up because, um, this, this, this younger guy that, that I work with, we talk about it often because you know, we're figuring this out together. He works with me. You know what I'm saying? I, I pay this young guy to do some, some video work. So it's mm-hmm. like, um, I, I do my best to pay him for what he's worth. We have contracts. We discuss those contracts. He negotiates with me. I encourage that. I will openly talk about how I want him to get paid more than me on particular projects. Or like, I think that I do my best to be vulnerable about my own struggles with the topic um to be open to discuss and identify other ways that i could be behaving or Mm -hmm. leading or facilitating in some form or fashion Mm -hmm. and 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 i also recognize that i think one of the one of the one of the falling downs of of um i don't know if it's falling down but i think one of the more liberating um uh acknowledgements, principles of conversation is that this isn't the last one. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm talking to this young person or that young person, like we're going to have another conversation about this. Like we don't have to get everything done right now. Like we can, mm-hmm. if, you, if you want, like get, you know, whatever we need to express, let's feel fully expressed. But I trust and believe that you're going to go, you're going to have an experience tomorrow. I'm going to have an experience tomorrow that's going to inform our next conversation. Mm-hmm. And like, then with and with those conversations, you gain more understanding, right? Because you talk about listening to understand, you gain more understanding about these topics of privilege and access, and and sounds like you also get a chance to shape and reshape your own perspective. And I yes, and I think that reshaping requires kindness mm. to ourselves, like recognizing that like. I'm going to learn more tomorrow. Mm. I don't have all the answers today and that's okay. Yeah. Where do you think this perception of you being money hungry um, came from, especially as one who's like a business owner and who's really just trying to assert himself in the business realm? Where did that come from? Good question. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll answer 
where I think it comes from in, in my own experience, and I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge the perception that I might be money. So sure. given the privilege of being well-educated, of being biracial and, and being light-skinned and, and being a man, a cisgendered man, and there's a lot that comes with like that identity working for a nonprofit hmm. in terms of you can you can have faith that everything is going to be okay. I got my master's, like, you know, I got a nice job. Like, I'm cool. Like, I'm going to be all right. Starting so in other forward, words, you can have faith that you set. Right. Fact. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. I'm, I'm set. I'm cool. Like, everything. Yeah. It is, from my experience, the entrepreneurial startup world <laughs> is not like that. Um, mm. By that, I mean, I'm, I, hmm. As many connections as you might have, depending on the industry you plan on going into, you better be able to perform. Hmm. And man, it's, it sounds so cut and dry. And, I, and, it, and it's not. It's really not. It really, really isn't. But with no track record, which I had none of, I had to, it, there were some, <laughs> there were some, there were some months where, you know what I mean? My rent to get paid for a, a, a quite a bit of time or I had to mm-hmm. ask for a loan from a friend or I didn't have much to eat for two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If not longer. And my heat was turned off and you know what I'm saying? Like there, there were some times where I was in the red in more ways than one. It, it was a perception. It's a perception. It's a perception. It's also reality. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I became more persistent of money. I, I'm doing, I'm keeping the books. Not, not only am I, am I doing the HR and I'm mm-hmm. doing the sales and I'm doing the production and I'm doing the, 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 the management, but I'm keeping the books. Like I know mm-hmm. what the books are. Mm-hmm. And so my conversations with partners, with business partners would be like, what's the money looking like? What's the money look like? Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that, that totally makes sense, right? And I think that's where we, the, the theme of just like access and survival come up. Because it's not necessarily that you are a money hungry individual. And when I say access and um privilege and survival, I'm also like talking about trauma, right? Not having money is a traumatic experience. Not being able to pay your bills is a traumatic experience. Not, you know, feeling like you're able to go kind of like from day to day and survive or like kind of being in a state of confusion when it comes to that day to day survival is a traumatic experience, right? And so, you know, how do a lot of people deal with trauma avoidance? And a way to avoid that from ever happening again is to what? Talk about money whenever you have an opportunity, right? And I really, your experience really resonated with me because I think not a lot of us are transparent about, you know, the times when we were struggling. So for example, you know, I'm now transitioning out of this program, going into internship to where I'm, you know, making a stable salary, praise God, right? But before then, there were literally moments where I did not know what was going on. Yeah. Right. You in the red, like you said, in more ways than one, everything was on negative. Yeah. Right. And then when you think about what it would take to get you out of that hole, 
that thing is money, mm. right? A small loan of $10,000. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So it's not necessarily that you're money hungry, but it really sounds like you were trying to survive. And once you got out of that survival mode, you were doing what was in your power to not have to go back in. And I think if I can, I can piggyback off of that because I completely agree. And I think it gets to the, whether it's, whether it's business or any other vehicle, being able to curate experiences for yourself hmm. or on a team, if, if so, you know what I mean? Like to be able to identify an experience that would teach you something and be like, I'm going right, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And to actually have the power to facilitate that is profoundly liberating. Mm-hmm. And each of those experiences, not if they're like a constellation, each of those stars has a life cycle of its own. So finance was something like, I've always paid my own bills. I've always handled my own money. Like that, I was, I was fine when it came to that, but it was always predicated on someone paying. Me. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, Steve, that's cool. You got some wisdom there. That's great. You got, you got a bit of a skill set. Let's see what happens when you have to, here's a new star in your constellation. Mm-hmm. And that star has a life cycle. And part of the life cycle is survival. When you engage survival, it's, you know, you, you had mentioned it earlier. We were talking about it earlier. It's content that you can learn from. And when you can accept it, be kind to yourself and learn from it, you can liberate yourself from the shame, the embarrassment, mm. the, uh, the avoidance. Mm-hmm. Because, and again, I'm by no means, I'm not going to share any names. There was someone else who, who I think is is hesitant to talk to me about money because I, <laughs> because when I get involved in a project, that's one, of, not the first thing that I bring up, but it's one of the first like five or six things when we get into like, okay, logistics, how do you want to get this done? Okay. How do you want to do that? How much time do you want us to commit to this? Okay, cool. What's your budget look like? Or this is mm-hmm. how much we charge for that. Or mm-hmm. if I'm talking candidly with a younger person, I'm like, yo bro, like we got to get paid for this dude. Like if, if they're on my team, yeah. even if they're not like you got to get paid for this. We got to get paid for this. How much are we charging for this? Like, it might come off like, damn, see, like, it's not even about the money. I feel you. It's not. But it is. And it is. There's a level of, there's, there's so much, from, again, at, if we are operating off of the pretense that this is content, that experiences present content to us that we can learn from, mm-hmm. whether it's physically, spiritually, mentally, in between, then money offers us an opportunity to learn about communication. Mm. Like, wow, like this is one of the hardest things, one of the hardest, not the hardest, but one of the hardest things to talk about openly with a friend, a partner, a business partner. Is the coin. Mm. You know, and to be able to practice healthy communication around such a difficult topic, come on, come Mm. on, man. That's, that's, that's Mm. it. At least, from my perspective around that. Mm. Well, Steve, I appreciate you for talking to me about life. Now, the unofficial theme of this season is the essential work of life and relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And we have talked about relationships many a time off air, and I'm not about to get into your business (laughs) on this show, but I do want to talk to you, and we've touched on this a little bit earlier in this conversation, but I want to talk to you about your relationship to this current climate. Mm. 
and how you're kind of like using your business. You talked about, you know, trying to use your skill set to show up and be an activist. Um, and so when we talk about the All In Project and we talk about Jackson Core, I'm really curious, right? Because there are a lot of things that people are calling for. You're out here working with youth. Um, the youth are really out on the front lines right now. And while they're on the front lines advocating for other people, they're also going through kind of like this dual processing of like what is currently going on, right? Which can be quite traumatic. Um, how is your organization kind of showing up for the youth in this moment? Mm. And what, what do your mentees need in this moment, especially being in Philadelphia? Yeah. Well, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to start with the relationship and I'll back into the, the company and, and what we're doing as a, mm-hmm. as a group, as a team. Um, supposed to link up with, so supposed to link up with a young guy with a mentee later on tonight. I, I kicked it with one uh, on Sunday, uh, talking to a young guy earlier. I was talking to a young lady that I mentored earlier about a project that we're working on. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think what they need now it's the same thing they needed before, which is a relationship to trust mm. and to learn from and to, to, to say things that maybe they don't know how to navigate and, and just, you know, just to have, have a sounding board, you know, mm. have someone, a trusted sounding board. So I, I, while I do, while I know that these times are more trying than most, what I recognize about the young folks that I spend time with, at least what I've heard from them, and older folks. I mean, I think you can relate as, as a black man, like most, I'm, and I don't mean to say most, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna say the majority, and I only mean majority by over 50%, the majority of the conversations I've had with the black folks that I spend a lot of time with is like, this is an everyday thing, this shit ain't new. So like the young folks are like, like, I'm used to this. Yeah. This is my life. Yeah. Um, while at the same time, the context is very different. And um, I'm there however they want me to be. You know, I, I make myself available as best I can. I'm not perfect. I can do better sometimes. Some days I'm like, you know what? I'm cool. Like, I, I, I got I to take a day for myself. Um. And other days, like I do, I, like I'll do my best to bend backwards when it's appropriate, when it's healthy. I'll do my best. Other days, I'll be like, "Hey, today might be the, might not be the best day." But um, quick example: one young guy who's like my little brother. I've known him for for at least a decade. Hit me up on Father's Day, like, "Yo, man, I want to take you out. Like, let's mm. let's go do something." You know what I mean? Like, you you've been haven't been a father, but but you've been an you've been an OG, you've been an older brother, you've been a father a father figure. Come on, OG. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I was there for that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and it's funny you said that because I've also heard many people say, you know, people getting killed by cops is kind of my reality, right? That's nothing new to me. People getting killed daily is nothing new to me. But you're right. I do feel like there's a need across age groups. Um, there's a need, there's a want um, for individuals to just be heard. Right. And not just to be heard, but also to be heard and to be validated and to have the things that they're saying um, be used to create change. And I hear you. I can't help but notice that while I hear you talk, it's 
there's kind of a sense of like being removed from the situation. So you're just like, I'm here to learn. Right. And I'm so curious about your experience. So when you talked about, you know, how you navigate the business world, you talked about some of your identities, right? So biracial, cis man, um, I want to incorporate, you know, able-bodied, um, business owner, educated, you know, maybe kind of like in a different socioeconomic status currently, right? So a lot of privileges that really shape your experience. Um, Super curious, what, when it comes to identity and privilege, um, what are you unpacking in this moment? (laughs) It's an outstanding question. (laughs) Patrick, this is... I'm here to get in your business. I said it in the introduction. I need some rosé for this kind of. Honesty. You should have um, had it. Told you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's oh man. What a question. Uh, I'll start by saying I didn't. What I didn't mention is that our company, our team, this week we're releasing a story a day of community of mm-hmm. people who are doing profound work, people who are sharing their story um, of of healing of the movement of relationships, so on and so forth. So. The company is trying to be a resource for conversation and for folks who want to reach out and say, hey, like, you know, I want to get involved, and so on and so forth. That being said, um, getting to that point has been a journey for me. Uh, I remember when I saw one of my friends posted on Instagram, the, the, the white mob in Fishtown who's walking around with bats and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's 10 minutes walking from my apartment. I was genuinely afraid. I'm also going to admit something that I've only admitted to a a select group of folks, but you know what? I I believe in vulnerability. I believe in transparency and, and, and truth and love are closer than maybe we think. Truth is I'm super light skinned. And what I know is that in the summer, I take pride in being in the sun and getting, getting darker, Mm -hmm. you know? And I remember, I remember when the helicopters were flying over and shit was tense. Like things were blowing mm. up left and right and National Guard was around. I went for a jog in the park and I'm hitting the sun because that shit feels good. And I'm like, yo, how dark do I want to get? Mm. Mm. So that's super real. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is privilege defined. And ooh. yeah, that's so interesting. I don't even know what to say. I'm going to say with that. Mm-hmm. That's real. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Can't help but notice that we are in election season season. I can't talk. Maybe I had too much rosé. <laughs> what kind of changes do you want to see in government? Okay. So I'm getting over what I just shared. So let me just, uh, <clears throat> what I see. Yeah. So what would I like to see? Okay. My ambitions align with local politics more than, more than federal. I think, what would I, what would I like to see? I'd, <laughs> I'd like to see, um, oh boy, 
I'd like to see a far more progressive candidate than Joe Biden. Oh, heard you. Mm. I'd like for our current commander in chief, my goodness, this man is the commander in chief, to mm-hmm. start acting like just an adult. You know, I'm talking low, low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. low bar of expectation. Just act like an adult. In the words of Crystal, the bar is in hell. <laughs> you damn, it sure is. My goodness, it is. The bar is in hell. <laughs> um, I think locally, what I look forward to participating in, because I, you know, look, I, I, when I say partnership, I really, I really, I do my best to mean it. I, I do my best to stand by it. I hope, mm-hmm. you know, I'm vulnerable with the acknowledgement and recognition that at some point somebody's going to hold me accountable to that vulnerability. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I look forward to eight, 10, 12, 14 months from now as my involvement with these different communities matures um, to remain that, remain involved. And however that looks health-wise, politically, um, I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I, um, my commitment to relationship and community and, and, you know, I know community can become almost cliched, although I really don't think it does, but I think community, um, community has got to be the most, in my mind, when I see community, it is easily the most diverse, subtle nuance. I know I'm being redundant, but like, there's so a real community. There's so much subtlety to it. Um, that is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And so I look forward to being involved and engaged locally in community as politically as I possibly can with safety and health in mind. Um, that is Observe what I your limits. Yeah, that's great. Complete the sentence for me. Happiness is music. Yes, music makes the people come to get Madonna said it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yes, okay. Well, Steve, I appreciate you for being on today. Before we wrap things up, there's a fun little segment um, that I like to wrap the show up with called "Let's Spin the Rose Bottle." Spin, 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 spin. So I have spent the past almost hour or so asking you a whole bunch of questions and getting in your business. So I'd like to return the favor by allowing you to ask one question, ask me one question. It can be juicy. It can be dry. It can be nothing and we can move on. What was the last dream you remember having? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you want me to answer that? Yeah, sure. Um, we have been quarantined, um, and I have been without physical touch. So the last dream I remember having is a dream where I was banging somebody out. And so <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you should. You should be. You should be with people, not in quarantine, dreaming about banging people out. You know what I mean? Like, Listen, <laughs> it should be a regular. Maybe. Can't wait to move to Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see again. That was a great question. 
<laughs> I thank you so much for um, coming on the show today. Uh, where can people find you? What projects do you want to plug? Um, you already gave the description of you being, you know, light-skinned, athletic, uh, li- liking runs at the park, you know? So if you want to drop, you know, your phone number, your email, <laughs> you might get some feedback. No doubt. On on Instagram, I'll give you uh, my personal Instagram uh, is uh, underscore Jackson Core. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's underscore Jackson C O R, and then the business Instagram is all in underscore I N C. It's all in underscore I N C. Shoot a DM. Uh, we're working on a lot. We're working on a lot. This this coming week today was the first day of a week of of new stories being released, um, and it's it's all focused towards community. And truth be told, there is a strategery, a strategery. Yes. Strategery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we love it of words. That's outstanding. Um, <laughs> there's a strategy uh, around uh, directing potential partners to this, this new film project that we're working on. So there's just plenty to talk about. There's plenty to share. Um, I'm here to get into it. Yes, yes. Well, guys, Steve, again, thank you so very much. And listeners, this has been another episode of Roseanne Thorns. I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Roseanne Thorns, a P. Ryan podcast. You can find Roseanne Thorns on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. That's R-O-S-E-N-T-P-O-D. And you can find P. Ryan on Instagram and Twitter at I am P. Ryan. That's I-A-M-P-R-Y-A-N. See you next time.